If I haven't met you guys before, hello, my name is Tom, and uh, I'm really glad that you're here with us this morning as we uh, wrap up our summer series. And summer is coming to a close, dudes. Bad news. I, what? Oh, sorry. I saw, um, I saw some leaves falling off a tree the other day on Nelson Street, so it was super depressing. <laughs> I biked home crying from that point on, but... Uh, I just want to give one more shout out to Klaus and to Kevin and to Jillian and to Jess, who did such a good job sharing this series. It did an amazing job. And um, what you guys shared, it wasn't like, hey, thanks for giving me a week off. It was really impactful and lasting. And thank you so much for sharing your words and taking time to pr prepare and to get up here and do all that. So thank you guys so much. And um, I wanted to just kind of underline what Heather was saying about the 24-hour prayer and give a little nudge to, for you guys to sign up. Um, it is one of those things that when I think back, even in the history of our, like since I've been at this church, some of the highlights of our times have been these times of 24-hour prayer. And God has spoken to us and wants to speak to us. And it's something that we're, we're, we're making a concerted effort. I don't know if you guys have noticed to become a community that prays. Like we want to be a, a prayerful community. So things like Heather just leading us in prayer. Um, the, the thing we're going to be introducing later this, after the service about each week we're taking time to pray for someone in our community. And this is just another aspect or way that we can, we can learn to pray and to be with God and to communicate with God. So you don't have to pray for 24 hours if any of you are thinking that. Like, I'm not up for that. It's just an hour. And um, halfway through, we're going to do a worship night, a singing night together. We're going to sing and pray in the parachute building. Come on out to that just to kind of rally us as we're halfway through and kind of not, it's actually not halfway through. It'll be like 11 p.m. But um, we'll, we'll just be getting into it. We'll, we'll spend some time worshiping and, and praying. And, um, but yeah, like, so whether you're praying in the prayer room, whether you're praying at home, whether you're in your basement or at the grocery store, interesting choice, Heather. But even if you're there, God will be there too. And he wants to meet with you and to speak to you and to, to love you and to receive you. So, um, and then we're going to end our 24-hour prayer with singing again. And then we're going to have a meal at the Paris Street building. So next week, the whole thing will be at Paris Street. So singing in prayer and a, a potluck. And then... Summer's over. That's it. That'll be it. Um, and that's all I'm going to share this morning. So have a great week. So my prayer is just that God would speak to us and through us and that he would transform us more and more into Jesus. Amen? Amen. If I'm standing funny, guys, my back is hurting. So I'm not, I'm not lazy. I'm just kind of my back is weird this morning. So I'm going to start this morning, guys. As we wrap up, we're going to be... Um, getting into a psalm in a bit, but I want to go back to what we've been talking a lot about. And do you mind putting this graphic up here, Rose, about what it looks like to orient our lives around God. And so it's really important for us. Timothy and I were just driving back from the cottage. We had a long conversation about this whole idea of the most important thing about us as Christians is it's, it's about this whole idea of us orienting our life around Jesus. It's not enough to just say the right things and do the right things. It's how do we orient everything we're doing around the person of Jesus and God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so a life oriented around self, it, we could go on and on about it. 
it's a life of isolation, of feeling disintegrated inside, where you're saying one thing on the outside and, and something else is going on on the inside. You feel stuck. You don't really have a purpose in your life. A life with God, however, a life oriented around him, is one of intimacy, both with God and other people, of formation, where we're becoming who we are meant to be in Jesus, and we have a new purpose in this world to do what Jesus did. So we have a new purpose in life in general. So a life oriented around self is upside down. And a lot of this comes from a lot of a life oriented around self or continuing to live in that can be traced back to a wrong idea or wrong ideas about God, ourselves, and the world. And so I want to start this morning. I, I wrote a poem, and I want us to think through, as we're, as we're listening to the words of this poem, are we willing to admit some of our wrong ideas about God, ourselves, and the world? And then we're going to look at this and kind of maybe some of it's going to resonate with you. Hopefully not all of it. And then we're going to kind of go from there into this whole idea of being oriented around God found in Psalm 23. Okay, so I'm going to read this. I am alone and I have to take care of myself. I never have enough. There is a gaping hole inside of me. I don't have time to sit still. I'm racing to find something, anything to take away the ache. My soul is weary and breaking down. I feel like I'm breaking apart piece by piece. Dead end after dead end after dead end. Life is overwhelming and I'm afraid of what's to come. God, are you there? Who can I trust? It feels like I'm surrounded on all sides. I don't have enough of what they want for me. So I sell out. I pretend and end up feeling less than human. What will tomorrow hold? More of the same? God, where are you? What must I do to get your attention? So I want us to think about that. And then I want us to think through, okay, if this is a psalm, this is like an anti-psalm, actually. So what, you want to go to the next slide there, Rose? Drum roll. Basically, there you go. What does this poem have wrong about the God revealed to us in Jesus? So let's take a second and think about that. And if you have an answer, feel free to. I want us to kind of talk through this together. Well, it sounds like the Yes. Right. So God is distant. He's not with us. Yeah. God provides everything you need. Right. As opposed to never having enough. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. This is a disengaged, disinterested, distant, uh, impotent almost, like he's unable to provide. What else? You shouldn't have to question. Right. Right. If you believe in God and you have that in your heart, your soul, you know he's there. Right. Now yeah, he will answer you. You may not get a, a reply in five minutes, but you'll get a reply. Right. Being anxious about what's to come. Right. Like, unfa is God faithful? Can he? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 
God if you are if you are enough. Yeah. Why do I not feel you in this space? Bingo. It's, it's not like you're saying you don't believe in God. You're acknowledging this person. It's there. You're acknowledging that there is a God. Yes. You're not feeling that connection. It's sufficient. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's that sense of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. When you're in that sense of hopelessness, everything is negative. You just have that uh, a perspective about life that is not godly. Right. Yeah, it's bleak. Yeah. Maybe one more, guys. Anything else stick out? Just the enemy. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, those are good observations, guys. And I think if we're honest, maybe some of us have felt a lot of these things over the years in some capacity. I know I have most of those things wondered or felt those in some you know, shape or form. Um, and these lies, if we, if, we, if we stay there, they can have a devastating effect on us as human beings. Like how we see the world around us, how we see God, how we see ourselves, that these things have... Uh, a real uh, ability to kind of skew how we live our lives. And so, and, and the, the, remember the gift of the Psalms, we started off talking about this, they give us language to, seek, to speak about the way that, that life really is. And there are moments where we have doubt. And I don't think that's, I think it's okay to express doubt. There's moments where we are asking God, where are you? That actually is in the Psalms. But um, we as followers and disciples of Jesus, whether we know it or not, are being continually led to and towards reality. So Jesus is reality and the way that things really are. So we may feel that God is distant and disinterested or unfaithful, but the, the, the further along we get in our process of following Jesus, the more his reality will become true, that God is actually not distant, that God is actually not disinterested or unfaithful. So that's good news. So I want us to read our psalm for today, which is Psalm 23. Anyone ever heard of this one? Psalm 23. And it's really, I want us to think about it as as a picture of what life with God actually looks like. It's often read at funerals, which is interesting. But what does it look like to live life with God? So I'm I'm going to actually ask you guys to stand up as we read this. Just take a few seconds just to kind of collect yourself and allow God's word to minister to you. This is the most important thing I'll be saying all morning is just reading this scripture. So come Holy Spirit, as we read this prayer, would you speak to us in Jesus name? The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. This is the word of the Lord. Let me just pray for us. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we want to yield to you this morning and ask you to come have your way. We acknowledge that you're already speaking, even through the, the initial call to worship, that you will be exalted, that we, we can join in right now and what, what eternity holds. Th- through thinking about what you've done for us, God, and bringing us back to yourself, that, that Jesus, you came and you rescued us, that you welcomed us into your life, and um, you took all of our sin and guilt and shame upon yourself, and you died the death we deserve. But death couldn't hold you down. You rose again, and you're victorious right now. And you sent your spirit to indwell us, to fill us up, and to empower us to, to see you and to see the Father more clearly. And so we ask you to do that this morning. I ask, Lord, that you would um, anoint my mouth to speak the good news of Jesus, and that where our hearts have become hardened or disinterested or um, where there are lies or, mis- or wrong thoughts about you, God, would they, would they be replaced by the truth of who you really are this morning? So come have your way. I pray that we would leave here, Lord, more engaged with you than we were when we first walked in. And uh, let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You guys can have a seat. So I want to do the same thing. So we just read the anti-psalm and talked about, okay, what are some of the lies that, that we could understand about God? Okay, so let's do the, the inverse of that. So what are some of the truths about the God Jesus reveals to us that we could find in this psalm? He's our guide. Nice. Yeah, he gives us all we need. Yes, he invites anyone to the table. Love that. He's trustworthy. Ange, what you got? Yes. Cares about our well-being. Yeah. That's great. He wants us to rest. Anything else? Something about the overflowing cup. Not just exactly what we need, but there's an abundance. Yeah. There's no shortfall. Nice. Hmm. Not to be afraid of our enemies. Yeah. What'd you say, Raj? There's always a place in heaven for us. There's always a place in heaven for us, yeah. Always room. Cool. Always room. I'm going to read, guys. I, I read a book recently. Um, Dallas Willard wrote a whole book on Psalm 23. And so he gives a little brief summary. And I was just going to read it because it's just normal. Okay. It'll be behind me as well. So he just goes line by line and gives his thoughts. So the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, I'm in the care of someone else. I'm not the one in charge. I've taken my kingdom and surrendered it to the kingdom of God. I am living the with God life. The Lord is my shepherd. And what follows from that? I shall not want. That's the natural result. I shall, lack, I shall not lack anything. That's what, Jesus, that's what Jesus teaches. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What kind of sheep lies down in a green pasture? A sheep that's eaten its, full, its fill. It's, if a sheep is in a green pasture and she's not full, she'll be eating, not lying down. Very logical there. 
leads me beside still waters. A sheep that is being led beside still water is a sheep that is not thirsty. Jesus said to the woman at the well, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will, thirst, will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. John 4. He restores my soul. The broken depths of my soul are healed and reintegrated in a life in union with God, the eternal kind of life. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. The effect of the restoration of my soul is that I walk in paths of righteousness on his behalf as a natural expression of my renewed inner nature. As I walk these paths, my trust in the shepherd runs so deep that I can declare, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. A life without lack is one that carries no fear of evil. Our confidence in God soars far above wants and fears. Would you like to have a life without a fear? A life of soaring faith? It seems like Jesus was constantly saying to his friends, fear not, fear not. Imagine what that would be like. No fear of life, aging, or death, disease, or hunger, no fear of any person or creature, not even the loss of all your possessions. You can live without fear even in the midst of a world dominated by fear. I could easily have chosen fear no evil as this book's theme because we are talking about a life from which fear is eliminated. While the psalmist clearly knows about life's dangers, he can still say, I will fear no evil. Why? And this is the key point here. For you are with me. The central truth of this book is that the complete sufficiency of the life without lack is based upon the presence of God. I'm just going to read that one more time. The complete sufficiency of the life without lack is based upon the presence of God. And he is most clearly and fully present to us in Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. He goes on, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I know from experience that the rod and staff represent the shepherd's strength and protective care. In this safe place where I have no fear, I am at liberty to enjoy the overwhelming generosity of my shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Since I love my enemies, I would not feast upon a delicious meal in their presence and let them stand there hungry. The abundance of God's provision and safety in my life is so great, I would invite them to enjoy what God has prepared for me. That's really interesting. You anoint my head with oil. Here you might think in terms of hot showers and warm, fluffy towels, things that make you feel clean, comfortable, and special, and how God makes that possible. He is not only interested in my having something wonderful to eat, but also in blessing with a life that is full and free and powerful in him, including clothing, comfortable furnishings, joyful experiences, and deep relationships. So much so that the abundance of God's provision rings out from the psalmist's pen. My cup is full. Is that what it says? No, my cup runs over. I have more than my cup will hold, so much that I can be as generous as my shepherd without fear of ever running out. So much so that I am convinced, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a description of the eternal life available to us now in the kingdom of the heavens, the abundant with God life that comes from following the shepherd, where we dwell and abide with Christ in the fullness, sorry, with God in the fullness of his life, a life in which all the promises of Christ's gospel are realized. Because of this, we have no reason to be anxious. The world is for us to be. Wow.
pretty good. Go Dallas Willard. So what does Psalm 23 teach us about the God revealed to us in Jesus? The most important thing I want us to wrap our heads around today. Yeah, that would be awesome, Angela. Thank you. Is God is with us. For you are with me is the reorienting thought that we need to get our heads around. So the, the, the anti-psalm we read, the primary thought I had in mind, that's okay, okay. <laughs> is that God is not with me. Has anyone ever felt that way? Thank you. Way to go, Ange. My cup is full. My cup is overflowing. I'm an old man. Yeah, I can sit in the front row now. That's what Roger said. I was shunned earlier. <laughs> so, God is with us. That's the primary thought I want us to get our head around this morning, guys. Okay, so for you are with me. I mean, Willard's book is called Life Without Lack. That's the point. Is like a life with Jesus, a life with God is a life without lack. The reality is many of us don't experience that. Why is that? It's kind of where I want us to go this morning. Okay? That sound good? Yeah. Okay. This feels very unprofessional and sloppy, but here we go. Um, uh, I want to just go over the story of the gospel because I think it's never a, a bad idea to do that. And so this is a, a, the central theological idea I want us to get our minds around is this big word that we've heard a bunch of times. It's the incarnation. We've been saying this morning a couple of times about, I think one of the songs was like leaving heaven's thrones and coming and being born in a manger. The big idea is that God came and put skin on and walked amongst us absorbed all of our human condition into himself and healed it from the inside out. But this fits into the story of scripture in the sense that in the beginning of, the, of everything, there exists this God who is Father, Son, and Spirit, the Trinity. And in the beginning of our world, of what we experienced here on earth, is this um, bubbling over experience there Son and Spirit. It's so strong or pent up, but it overflows and explodes into all that we see. Um, so in the beginning, God created the heavens in Genesis 1.1. So out of that foundational relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit sprung all that we see, springs creation. Um, this relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit is one of mutual love. There's a... a, a, a a preferring of one another. Uh, it's an incredible, I mean, words fail uh, to, to describe who the Trinity is, how, the, how it functions, but it is, it is the source of all of, of creation. So this creation was motivated and fueled by the eternal bliss of the community of love experienced by the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And in other words, they wanted us to experience what they have known for all eternity. So God reserved for us as human beings a special mercy. You know, he made animals, he made um, plants and everything else good, but he made something specifically extra good, and that's you and me. That's human beings. And we are the impress of his image. We, we image to one another and to the world around us who God is and what God is like. So the Father, Son, and, and Spirit have experienced from the beginning of creation this relationship of love, a face-to-face -face relationship that they wanted to welcome us as human beings into. They wanted to connect us to the very source of life and the uh, very source of being in life itself in the world, which is, of course, Jesus. Which Let me read quickly from John 1, 1 to 3. This is from 
John's beginning of his, his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's, what, that's where, where we get everything we see is from this relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit, Jesus creating from there. So one of the things God gave us as human beings that he didn't give animals is, is, is free will. So God gave humanity the gift of free will to choose. How would we love God if we were forced to love God? How would we experience his love if we were forced to experience his love? So we have a choice in the matter. He wants communion with us. He knows that it's the best thing for us. He wants to live life with us, but he will not force us into life with him because he is good. This is where we fall. This is where we fall into a wrong idea about God, a wrong idea about ourselves, and a wrong idea about how the world actually works in the story. So in the garden, God instructs Adam and Eve to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for their own good, for they would surely die. So what happens? They eat it. Full on. They go for it. And so they were tempted into a distorted picture or a different story of God. The, the enemy tempts and says, did God really say, or in other words, like, is, what is he withholding from you? Can God be trusted? Is God actually with you? Like, kind of like what we were talking about in that, that anti-psalm in the beginning. A bunch of lies about who God is were insinuated there. Because the reality is the enemy can't change God. He can change our ideas about God. He can't diminish the character and nature of God in, in reality, but he can make us think wrongly about God. So this is where the human race, you and I, the, the beginning of this infection, this mindset of God not being able to be trusted, that we were actually supposed to live separate from God. It's actually better if we do that. And this wreaks all kinds of havoc upon us in our own lives, but all throughout the story of Scripture. So right away, the next generation, we see um, the road to ruin is being walked down by Adam and Eve and, and their children. In one generation, we see murder. We see deception, and then we are off to the races. So from unity and union and communion with God in the garden with Adam and Eve, a wrong idea about God, rebellion against God, good, God's good ways, this idea that we need to live separate from God creeps in, and all kinds of sin is unleashed in the world. The flesh was having its way in all types of distorted and disordered ways. So what was God being good to do? What was God going to do about this? Was he going to just kind of let it go? And as we read on in the story, the climax of the story of Scripture is the coming of Jesus, the incarnation. So in this story, um, one way of thinking about the incarnation is that the creator enters his creation. So in, in the beginning was the word, the word created. What we see, he steps into creation to rescue us from our own wrong thinking about who God is and what God is really like. So another way of thinking about this is a painter entering into his own painting to restore it and absorb all the wrong into himself and to, to restore it to its original glory. So the word became flesh. Jesus came and put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood, the message translation says. He came into our brokenness, into our darkness, into our alienation, into our wrong thinking about God, into a lived experience of living apart from God or thinking we are. And he experienced temptation into those types of thinking. It's like, hey, you could be God yourself. Do you really need God? And he, where we failed every other time, succeeded on our behalf. 
So Jesus, one thing I think we need to think about is Jesus stepped into the deepest darkness of our rebellion and he brings that light that cannot even be overcome by the deepest darkness. So he's coming to reveal to us what God is really like. He's coming to reveal to us as well what it looks like to be a human being that is living with God, that believes that God is a good shepherd and that we shall not want and he was living a life without lack. Do I have a C.S. Lewis quote there? Rose? No? Just imagine something amazing C.S. Lewis would say at this point. Um, I think the quote was something about how he swims, it's like a diver swimming down to the deepest darkness and rescuing something and bringing him back from the depths back into the light. So basically, Jesus gets into the, the worst and most broken parts of us, himself steps into it, gets underneath all of it, doesn't leave anything behind, and brings it back up to a new life with him. So that's, that's the basic idea, right? C.S. Lewis could have done it way better than that, but here we are. So Jesus gathers us up all and brings us back to his Father. Through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, he, he heals us. He brings us back into relationship with him. So what, what's true of Jesus is now true of us. So this, this wrong thinking about living apart from God, that that's actually best, that's, that's, that's actually what God would prefer because we're just too broken or too like, disgusting. He doesn't even want to look upon us. Jesus comes and shows us another way that God wants to find us in our brokenness and bring us back to his, his kingdom and his closeness into that very relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit. Do I have a, a Francois de, de Troyes quote? Okay. In the incarnation, God deleted every definition of distance, every possible excuse man could have to feel separated or even neglected by God. It was removed in one day through one sacrifice once and for all. So on the cross, Jesus does that for us, and in his resurrection, he brings us with him. So let's read um, Galatians 2, verse 20. This is Paul. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is this idea of the theological idea of union with Christ. Where we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Let's read a couple more smart guys quotes so I don't confuse you. Let's do, is a, okay, yeah, let's, let's do this one. It does not depend on your feelings. If you feel that Christ has died, he has died. And if you do not feel that he has died, he has died. If you feel that you have died, you have died. If you do not feel that you have died, you have nevertheless surely died. These are divine facts. That Christ has died is a fact. That the two thieves have died is a fact. And that you have died is also a fact. Let me tell you, you have died. You are done with. You are ruled out. The self you loathe is on the cross in Christ. Good news. Okay, what else we got? B.F. Westcott. If once we realize what these words, we are in Christ, mean, we shall know that beneath the surface of life lie depths which we cannot fathom, full alike of mystery and hope. Jesus was so one with us that when he died, we died. For he did not die for himself, but for us. And he did not die alone, but we died in him as those whom he had bound to himself inseparably by his incarnation. Therefore, when he rose again, we rose in him and with him. And when he presented himself before the face of the Father, he presented us also before God. 
so that we are already accepted of God in him once and for all. Is that not good news? All right. Uh, we did a whole series on this idea, guys, in 2019 that you can find on. No one knows the website. Sweet. Paying attention. So, um, so we did a whole series on this whole idea of union with Christ. So I won't go into too much detail, but like that is the good news. That what's essentially that boiling it down to a sentence through what Jesus did, what is true of Him is not true of us. That that we're hidden in Christ. That we've been given His righteousness. That He's inhabited all of our most broken, darkest places and brought His light. And that we're just learning how to live as if that. So that means nothing that you're going through or have gone through in which Jesus is not wanting to be a part of that. That he's not, it's not like we can live this part of our life with Jesus and this part of our life is not with Jesus. We can live all of our lives with Jesus. Um, the life that he is bringing us into is one in which we realize that we are not alone. That we are in fact with our shepherd, our good shepherd. That, that you are in, we are in his care. And that, that, song, that poem I wrote, the point I was trying to get across, Dan picked up on, is like this idea that I have to be God. That I have to look out for myself. I have to make sure I, I, I have what I need and then I can make it through. And especially if I have a wrong thinking about God that he can't be with me if, I, if I've sinned or I've, I become my own savior idea. But Jesus is actually with us in our brokenness. He's healing us, bringing us into a fullness of our under, uh, an understanding of what he's already accomplished for us on the cross. That we can live with him even in those darkest places of our lives. And that he's going to bring his light and we'll be healed. So... Again, what's true of Jesus is now true of you. You are caught up in the middle of the eternal life, giving sufficient love of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So, Jesus, I just pray that you would make this true to us this morning. Um, that, that you would reveal by your Spirit that we are, in fact, one with you. That we're seated right now in heavenly places by some divine gift of grace that we do, we do not deserve. So, as we continue this morning, may that just kind of resonate in our hearts and minds. So how do we apply this? We can think about this theologically. It's amazing. How do we apply this to our normal, everyday lives? And this is that last line of, of Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How do we live like that now? Not like, one day when I go to glory, I'll be with God. It's like, how do we live in the house of the Lord right here, right now, as you grocery shop? Heather, as you power wash, as you do whatever you're doing in your life. Um, every person, yes, you, every person is invited by Jesus to be with Jesus. And this is that big idea of, of a life oriented around Jesus. We move away from this idea that I, I live and in, in function in isolation apart from God to an understanding and a, a grasping of this idea that I'm, I'm meant to live in intimacy with God. That I'm supposed to be known and know God by, by the very Trinity. And then it doesn't just stop there. It spills out into our other relationships here on earth. But that's the big idea here, guys, is that we are called by the good news of Jesus out of a life of isolation to a life of intimacy with God in the very normal, everyday things of life. Another wrong thinking about God we could have is that God only lives at the circle theater between, you know, 10... 18 a.m. till 11.46 a.m. on Sunday mornings. 
God is with Heather as she power washes and with Roger as he takes care of his sick wife. And as, you know, we wrestle our children to bed at night and swear, <laughs> you know, like God is with us in the everyday stuff of our lives. So the question becomes, if, if this is true, do you actually, if this invitation is extended to you. The, the question becomes, do I actually want to live life with God? And that's something I think we have to be really honest with because we could say, yeah, totally, and not mean it. Or we could say, I, I want to, but I, I have some questions. Or, I mean, I don't want to answer for you, but we have to be honest. We have to start there. Okay, this invitation is extended to us to move from isolation to intimacy, to live life with God. Do I actually really want this? My hope is that your answer is yes. My answer is becoming increasingly yes. There's been moments where it's been, no, I'm good. I want to try this on my own, and it's blown up in my face. Um, and there have been moments in my life, pockets of my life, where I've said yes, and it's been unbelievable. So Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10, talks about this whole idea that life is not segregated or disintegrated into sacred and secular or to, you know, this is my life with God and this is my work life. Uh, David says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of, of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So where shall we go from God's spirit? In the, in the best of times and in the worst of times, God is there with us. As you're driving to work, as you are arguing with your spouse, Jesus is there with you. Um, so the question, do you want to be with Jesus? The, 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 the good news here is if you're really honest and maybe your answer is no today, your answer will not and cannot change his love for you. He's not like, all right, fine, I'm moving on. He's there waiting for you forever. He's, he wants you to experience what he has always known in that relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit. So if our answer is yes, and I hope your answer is yes, these are a few other things to, to kind of just a few keys to think through to living life with God. I think the key, that, which is, I think the hardest thing, I, I don't want to speak for you. I would imagine for a lot of us in this room, this is the hardest part, to show up as we actually are. To show up as yourself. Who you are, where you are, and when you are. And what I mean by that is not who you think you are supposed to be. Like when, when you're with God, don't all of a sudden start, you know, speaking with a different accent or, you know, doing things that aren't natural to you as who you really are. Show up as yourself, who you are, where you are, and when you are. This is the person Jesus wants to be with. This is, this is the person um, who he came to save and to rescue and to redeem and to make more like himself. Sometimes I feel like we can be frustrated by um, a lack of transformation in our lives, and this could actually be the key. We're showing up as a version of ourselves that is actually dishonest. And so we can, God can only do so much with that. Um, we talked about this in the past. This is kind of the same idea, the, the whole idea of future tripping, where we, we go into the future and imagine something to happen, and all of a sudden we're terrified because God is not actually there. God cannot inhabit that which is not real. And so when we go and think about showing up to God as something other than ourselves, we're often disappointed when he isn't there. That's because he just can't inhabit a space that isn't real. So how do you show up as you really are becomes the question. And this is good. God, in love, accepts us as we are. And in that place, he begins the process of transformation. Because he can't accept us the way that we aren't, right? So he says, hey, come just as you are 
into my presence and let us begin again this journey of life together. So one way to do this, this could be, you know, does that mean, Tom, that I have to fast and pray every day? Do I have to, you know, only listen to worship music? No. I think one of, one of the things we need to think about is, like, what would it look like? Dan and I were just talking about this this morning. Like, what would it look like for us to just live our normal lives with God? I think it's more simple than we can make it. I think it's just learning to turn our attention to God in the everyday stuff that we're doing. Like, I'm cutting up veggies to make curry. Jesus, thank you. Man, red peppers are so good. What were you thinking with eggplant? But these are so good. And just, God, thank you that I have a family to cook for. You know, whatever. Or just, just acknowledging, it, it might feel weird, and it, even as I'm saying it, it does maybe feels hokey, but just acknowledge, Jesus, you're with me. Thank you. You're a God with me. You're Emmanuel, God with us. And so you're with me when I'm driving my kids to school. You're with me as I am taking out the garbage. And I've been trying to do this this week where I'm just like in the little things, just trying to turn my attention to God. And it is amazing. Like just, okay, you're there. You're there. And it's not always, but there are, there are moments that you just you sense that you're not alone. And you're sense that you sense that he is with you. And this is really what, what we, when we talk about being a disciple, when we talk about becoming like Jesus, this is really the key. This is the, the everything turns on this, learning to live life with God and the everyday stuff of life, not just the, the, um, the religious experiences we have. Um, so turning your attention to God is what, what I want us to kind of think through and process as, we're, as uh, we think about Psalm 23 in this life of learning how to be with the Good Shepherd and Him giving us a life without lack. We begin to turn our attention to God in the everyday little stuff. I'm going to read to you guys as we, in, a, in a second from this guy named Frank Laubach who tried that. He's, he tried every minute to turn his attention to God for 10 seconds, which is crazy. Like I'm... I'm I'm nowhere close to that. I'm like, a couple times a day is good at this point. But that was his endeavor. Every minute, he tried to get at least a, a, a few seconds focused on God. And it, it, tr his story is, is, is incredible. It, it transformed so many things. But he spent, yeah, he spent his whole life trying to understand and unpack what it looked like to live a life fully attuned and full, at full attention to God. So if you guys answered yes to wanting to live life with Jesus... My encouragement would be show up as yourself, who you are, where you are, and when you are. And then gradually, slowly but steadily, turn your attention to God in the everyday stuff of life. And then forward, just see what unfolds. See what, see what adventure God has for you as you are. Like, it's so cool, Heather, power washing. You're sensing God's presence and like, you're, there's something, I mean, there's metaphor there about God, you know, all kinds of stuff. I won't preach another sermon on that, but like, let's see what unfolds. And I mean, I'm excited to see, now that we become super hokey and like, you know, everything is, you know, God was with me in this and that, but like, he actually is with us. But how can we, how can we begin to see and experience that, that life being led by the good shepherd? So Dan, I'm going to invite you to come on up, bro. We're going to sing a couple of songs. I want to read to you guys just um, from that Frank Laubach guy, his, his book. This is a letter he wrote to his dad as he's kind of beginning this, this adventure of, of turning his attention to God, living life with God. The sense of being led by an unseen hand which takes mine while another hand reaches ahead and prepares the way grows upon me daily. I do not need to strain at all to find opportunity. It piles in upon me as the waves roll over the beach, and yet there is time to do something about each opportunity. Perhaps a man who has been an ordained minister since 1914 ought to be ashamed to confess that he never before felt the joy of complete hourly minute by minute 
Now, what shall I call it? More than, more than surrender. I had that before. More than listening to God. I tried that before. I cannot find the word that will mean to you or to me what I am now experiencing. It is a will act. I compel my mind to open straight out toward God. I wait and listen with determined sensitivity. I, find, I fix my attention there, and sometimes it requires a long time early in the morning to attain that mental state. I determine not to get out of bed until that mindset, that con concentration upon God, is settled. It also requires determination to keep it there, for I feel as though the words and thoughts of others draw me, sorry, others near me were constantly exerting a drag backward or sidewise. But for the most part, recently I have not lost sight of this purpose for long and have soon come back to it. After a while, perhaps it will become a habit and the sense of effort will grow less. But why do I constantly harp upon this inner experience? Because I feel convinced that for me and for you who read there, lie ahead undiscovered continents of spiritual living compared with which we are infants in arms. And I must witness that people outside are treating me differently. Obstacles which I once would have regarded as insurmountable are melting away like a mirage. People are becoming friendly who suspected or neglected me. I feel, I feel like one who has had his violin out of tune with the orchestra and at last is in harmony with the music of the universe. As for me, I never lived. I was half dead. I was a rotting tree until I reached the place where I wholly with utter honesty resolved and then re-resolved that I would find God's will. And I would do that will, though every fiber in me said no. And I would win the battle in my thoughts. It was as though some deep artesian well had been struck in my soul and strength came forth. I did not claim success even for a day yet in my mind, not complete success all day, but some days are close to success and every day is tingling with the joy of a glorious discovery. That thing is eternal. That thing is undefeatable. You and I shall soon blow away from our bodies. Money, praise, poverty, opposition, these make no difference for they will all alike be forgotten in a thousand years. But this spirit which comes to a mindset upon continuous surrender, this spirit is timeless life. Let me pray. God, sometimes it's, it's overwhelming, the good news of, of what you've done for us. That you want to be with us is, is sometimes it's just, it feels too good to be true. And I, I want to ask for us, Lord, that as a community of people who are doing our best, who fail, who flop, who don't have it together all the time. We want to become like Jesus. We want to live life with you, God. We want, to, we want to be people who experience a life led by you as our shepherd. I ask, Lord, that you would um, write in our minds the things that we've gotten wrong, wrong thinking about you, wrong thinking about ourselves, wrong thinking about the way the world actually works, and that we would do that with you, God. That we would no, not go off on our own and try to sort those things out theologically or intellectually. But that we would, would know you in a new way as, as one who is with us. That we would be a people who have been with God, that are with God in our everyday lives. May we reflect you. May we, may we be people who exude um, the spirit of God in all that we do. The love of God in all that we do. The wisdom of God. The the, the nearness of God. And so we, I want to humbly just acknowledge the truth, God, that we cannot live life apart from you and forgive us for trying to do so. 
And I just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come fall upon us afresh this morning, that we could see Jesus as he really is in a new way, and Jesus, that we could see your Father as he really is, that we would be caught up and swept up into the relationship that you've known for all time, Lord, that, that we, where we feel unlovable, would receive and experience your love in new ways, where we have been stuck, God. May you, by your grace and by your mercy, show us a way through. Would you lead us through, God? And um, yeah, would, would this be uh, our, our refrain, that, that we, we have been with God, that we are with God, and that God is with us? And so, we welcome you, God, as we continue on this morning, as we take communion and remember your sacrifice, as we sing to you. Just keep moving and breaking in upon us, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you want to live life with us. We pray this all in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.